we become a race of peeping Toms. Something happened. Something was happening. I had no idea. Where is her treacherous husband now? But in a place where she can visit, if she wished, mine. It's with the ancestors. I'm yeah, I'm drinking, Luann. How can you hold cake and not eat it? Oh, shit, you guys got coke here. Oh, my God, of course. I mean, I know to you I'm just your old fat Aunt Maddie Faye. I'm more than that, sweetheart. These are godless times, Mrs. Snell. You're all feckin' boring. With your piddling grievances over nothing, you're all feckin' boring! Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and you've always been a sensitive boy, haven't you? And my name is Colin Drucker, and is that him? <laughs> is that him? Which one are <clears throat> I can't place that. That was like that was like Claire Foy's first line when he first comes to the house and, and with his dad oh, and she's like, Oh, is that yes. him? What a great entrance she has too. Yeah. I love the way that she's introduced to the story. Oh man, the story, which let me tell you something. I went in kind of blind and I'm I Okay went in thinking, Oh, all of us strangers, that's that gay movie with all the neon. But <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, minimal neon, pretty gay, very much grief. Oh my God, I know. I feel like it hit me harder even the second time because I don't know. I watched it by myself downstairs this morning, so I feel like I could really let loose. Mm. And there are two scenes specifically, which I just just rip me apart every time. But I'm so glad. So you did not know about the the ending. No. Is that true? Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. No. Okay. Because that was what Keon and I had the most difficulty with. And a lot of like podcasts I've listened to um, we kind of had the same. There's so much to talk about with it, too, because it's like, do we need it? Do we not need it? Should it just been a happy ending? But I actually listened to this podcast today because I was really interested in Andrew Haig, who wrote it. Um, who also did Weekend and he also did Looking mm -hmm. as well. So some really great, I, I do feel like he's like one of our best. Um, but there's this podcast called Script Apart. And maybe that's a play on words for Ripped Apart. I, I don't even, but it's basically this guy named Al. He's an incredible interviewer and it interviews like some really high profile people. Like we would we, we get the... Um, uh, the people who wrote Carol, Aaron Brockovich, Brokeback Mountain. Um, there's like all these really great films that he's talked to people about writing. And um, this was one of them. So I have a little bit more insight, which I think will help us during this conversation. I don't think it's like mind blowing stuff, but a few things I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I'm glad I listened to that. I think you'd really love it, too. So script apart, everyone. Mm. Big, big high recommend. With Al. Script apart with Al. With Al. With Al. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, because certainly this is one of those movies where you come out of it like, oh, oh, I don't know what I feel. I don't know. I don't know if I feel good. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I feel, but I feel, but I do feel, I do, I don't feel miserable, but yeah. It, <clears throat> anyway, all of this is just a whole bunch of vague booking because we are here to talk about 2023's All of Us Strangers. 
<laughs> that was good. All of us strangers. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, you know, uh, which, of course, uh, you may, you know, gentle listener, also know as the Neon Gay movie. Um, or you may know from the Paul Mescal and, and Andrew Scott press tour and all of their insane chemistry. Um but uh, you may not know that uh, trigger warning. If you've got like a thing with like dead parents, this movie is going to wreck your week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, especially if you are queer with dead parents. My goodness, I mean, I I can't even really imagine. It's oh. it's so beautiful. I I'm so interested to hear what you think overall, and maybe that's a loaded question. I don't know where you'd like to start with this because it feels like such a big mountain to climb. Well, you know, <clears throat> I'll start with this. I feel like we've maybe talked about this before, but I feel like I have a, a, an occasional tendency to resist gay movies. And there's a lot of them, you know, like Amazon Prime. My goodness, there's just so many little thumbnails of like, two good-looking guys looking at each other longingly in a bed with a title called, like, Swept Away, you know? And, you know, yes. uh, Mark meets a, you know, a, a dashing Dutch man on vacation and complications ensue. You know, it's like, it's... I just resist them, you know? I, I don't know what it is, you know? Maybe I should get a therapist and work through that. But I, there's something about most gay movies not that i think they're bad movies it's not that it's a quality thing or that i you know don't like watching gay stuff because you know yes michelle visage i do like gay shit and so i think it's like i feel like a lot of gay stuff i don't feel like i identify with it i feel like if anything it makes me feel like i am outside of it and i yeah. think that is something i did not feel with all of us strangers. And I was like, oh, this is a really nice experience to watch. Uh, you know, uh, uh, not uh, let's just say gay movie, even though it's so much more than that, but to watch a gay movie and be like, oh, oh boy. Oh, I know. Oh, uh, you know, I, I will be seated with my hands in my lap quietly. Excuse me, you know? <laughs> yes. I mean, we have a writer in his 40s that lives alone. The only thing he's missing is a cat, I really. Mean... I feel like it's just like, yeah, it's it's truly, I love that sort of entry point for this because I felt the same. I do feel like there is, even though these men are both like beautiful white men, I feel that's always something that could be, uh, you know, questioned, you know, diversity. But it's it feels like a play in that regard, too. There's only really four characters within this movie, and I feel like it makes such a beautiful stage play. Mm. Um but I, I also agree with you. There's so much. I feel, that conversation you were talking about, too, is like, I feel like so many, um, even movies that have like predominantly black casts or, or like in this case, like um, queer movies, they really cash in on like, like black trauma or queer trauma. Like that's mm -hmm. the only way to get that like Oscar buzz, mm -hmm. you know, like it can't just be. Maybe like Fire Island's a good example of like still beautiful men and it kind of is that Pride and Prejudice vibe. But like I feel like we're we're starting to get out of that. But again, I really do feel Andrew Haig is ahead of the curve. And like everything he's done, I've sort of been I've sort of like attached to in some way. Yeah, I mean I think that idea of like the 
do we need to use do we need to to you know put on beautiful trauma porn in order to tell marginalized stories like i've heard that i've heard that about the color purple and like certainly where it's like oh is is there any story where we aren't slaves is there any story where we don't have aids is there any of those out there and i get that i really do and i think that this movie is actually a really interesting sort of response to that question because i kind of went into it thinking okay it's a 2023 movie it's made by a gay man who's you know uh, known for making you know uh, sort of modern gay movies and telling sort of modern gay stories and so i was just kind of expecting like oh this is going to be a story about a guy who like learns how to say goodbye to his parents and how to you know, uh, find life and love again with this, you know, handsome stranger, Harry. And, and I thought, oh, okay, this, this is really about how gay men can heal and, and move on and can, you know, uh, I don't know, can have a happy, yeah, evolve, have a happy ending. But I should have, I, I, I guess I just was like, oh, okay, so that's what's going to happen. And the end of the movie is going to be Harry and a- and Adam, like, dancing in that club, you know, and, and Pet Shop Boys are going to mm-hmm. be singing. It's going to be a whole thing. And I'm here for it. I am I'm absolutely here for it. And then when that was not how the movie ended, I was like, oh, this is some old-fashioned, you know, longtime companion uh, you know, it's my party, you know, boys in the band kind of stuff. Oh, we're going to end on like, oh, this is some damage. This is some damage that won't be undone yes. by love and hot sex with Paul Mescal. <laughs> I know. It's it's very hard to not jump to the end as well, too. So I, you're far better at it than I, but how would you describe like? How would you describe this plot to our listeners? Well, it's, I would say first of all, go see it. Yeah, Sorry, oh, go see it before you listen to this because we're going. in. We're gonna go in. <laughs> We've already told you too much, but it's on Hulu now. And let me tell you something: I don't pay for like I don't. I get I have ads on Hulu, and I have to okay. say, the minimal number of ad breaks. It was so respectful, you know. Uh, I, I just need to send, send some flowers to Hulu because sometimes I don't watch things on Hulu because I'm like, oh god. How many ad breaks are you going to send me? What are you going to put me through? Yeah. You know, but Hulu, I'll tell you, Tubi, Tubi has some of the finest commercial etiquette. Like it, nice. they're inserted in places that make sense in the movie. It just, yeah, you know, and so, and they're not too much. It's, so anyway, I just wanted to recognize that if anyone's having reservations about Hulu, because they too do not pay, but we'll have a few commercial breaks. Don't worry about it. And honestly, yeah. it's not a bad movie to like catch your breath from every once in a while. Um, yes. So, and I have so many thoughts about like, because there is a world where it's like, and and at this point, folks, spoilers abound, all of us spoilers. So there is from the very beginning, the idea of Adam and Harry are the only two people living in this tower in London. It feels to your point like a play. It's it feels like two characters in purgatory. You know, it's it. I mm-hmm. I was also kind of waiting for that too of like, oh, you're both dead. Oh, you've both been dead the whole time. And so, alas, it's just one of those weird situations where you're just the first two people who live in the building, I guess. And Adam is a writer, and he is working on uh, writing a script about his parents who were killed in a car accident when he was twelve, and in his kind of, you know, 
trying to remember and trying to construct the story of his parents through pictures and memories, he starts to uh, revisit his parents. Yeah, And the way that it appears in the movie is just like taking the train from London out to the suburbs back to see your folks. And he arrives at his childhood home and there are his parents as he last remembers them from, you know, 1980, whatever, um, when they were killed. And and it's this weird thing where he has these visits with the ghosts of his parents. And and it's not like it's not like the sixth sense. We find out pretty quickly, like, oh, they're ghosts. And it, it they're almost kind of like funny about it. There's a self-awareness. They know they're ghosts. It's honestly, I don't. It, it's very much like Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin in Beetlejuice, if you're familiar. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Yes. It's so much like that. It's actually, there were, especially in, at the diner in the end, I was like, this is exact. This is Beetlejuice. This is totally Beetlejuice. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and honestly, Paul Mescal as Beetlejuice would be some incredible casting, but we have not even. Ooh, that would be great. Because I would like to see Paul Mescal in just about anything at this point, because. Uh, oh, my God. Jesus. He's so in love. H. Bacon Steaks. I, I have to go watch <laughs> After Sun yesterday. Uh, yes. So in the midst of all this, Adam, you know, and Harry meet and uh, they you know, start a little courtship, a little romance. They start to fall in love. And the way that I am taking this, the way that I am reading this, and it's kind of similar, to be honest, to Nyad last week, another traumatized gay person, you know? Um, mm -hmm, yes. But it was like the way that Nyad kind of set up that as Diana was like really digging into the depths of, of this like journey, this like record-breaking journey from Cuba to the Keys, she was being confronted in the water by memories of her past abuse. It was like, oh, yes. it then there was kind yes. of that feeling that like, if you're going to do this, you have to even break through that shit. And I feel like there's a variation of this here that like, as Adam is like, sir, certainly he's being, you know, quote unquote triggered by like trying to write this script about his parents. But I think there's also something about, Someone like Adam with his trauma, with his experience, with like who he is when Harry meets him and like what triggers and traumas get activated in him in a relationship. Because I totally believe there is a certain section of, of, of our baggage that's only activated when we're in a relationship. And I feel like that's what we start to see with Adam and Harry. Yeah, I, I have so many things. I was kind of taking notes in my head, too. The first thing that um, Andrew Haig said on that podcast, too, because I there are all these sort of conspiracy, not conspiracy theories, but theories of like what this movie represented to. Like you were mentioning the building is purgatory and none of these people were alive to begin with. And then there's like another theory that like the fire alarm at the beginning was actually a fire that killed them both because like Adam has a line about how he's too hot, like 20 minutes after that. Uh, where he's getting warm after he came back from seeing his mom in the rain or whatever. Mm -hmm. But really, um, what Andrew Haig was trying to establish, I guess, and I, I, I see it, is that there very well could have been, the whole apartment building could have been filled. But when, you know, we're meeting Adam, you know, there's there's this like sort of fine line between like being alone like aloneness versus loneliness as well too but and even when you are in a building like with a lot of people you can still feel like you're the only person in the building mm -hmm. so i think that's that that was what he was trying to go with but it's true it's like 
it's such a because eventually later in the movie too, Adam sees Harry in the front like courtyard, right? Am I remembering that correctly? I feel like there was one shot mm-hmm. where like he's, he's standing at the window, yep. and I'm like, what's going on here? That was my first. I didn't know what was going on, but that was when my ear like kind of perked up. I was like, something's off. I don't know what it is, but I'm excited for it because there is so much of this movie where you just have to kind of go with it in a way because it defies all logic. And even the the entrance of like his dad, played by Jamie Bell, that I love that um, the characters' names are just dad and mom. Mm-hmm. Claire Foy, can't wait to talk about her. But like Andrew Haig was talking about how like the introduction of like getting to that world of his parents was really tricky because you can't just like dump him into his parents' house all of a sudden. You don't want to do like little dream sequence music. But like, I love the idea of his dad almost being like a potential hookup in the bushes, Mm -hmm. you know, it had that sort of like draw in. And then eventually he just like, because he doesn't say like, oh my God, dad, you know, like that would have been, it works though. Like, I don't know how it does, but it just does. Like you said, they recognize them and he just steps back into the world, and we just go for it. Well, I would say a a lovely companion piece to this, and I high recommend in general, is Peggy Sue Got Married. Because okay, it's, go so Peggy Sue Got Married, uh, starring Kathleen Turner, and Barbara Harris plays her mother. But it's about uh, this woman in the 90s who goes to her class reunion, her high school class reunion, and she like passes out, and she wakes up, and she's you know, back in her senior year of high school. And like, there's kind of like, and, and the way that they do it, like, and of course it's like, you know, Kathleen Turner is still playing herself and we're not supposed to believe she looks like a 16 year old. So like just all of the ways that they do it. um, It's not like her mother's like, Oh, you know, Oh gosh, Peggy Sue, you look so much older today. Like there's just like a real deliberate way to bring Peggy Sue back into her old life. And and then you just kind of settle it in, settle into it. You settle into the reality, and it's yes, and it's very yeah. similar here, where like Adam knows more than his parents do, you know, and and mm-hmm. I think that device in the idea of being someone from quote unquote the future um, is is interesting. But I also feel like that's an, another layer of something that a lot of adults have with their parents, whether you're queer or otherwise, is like when you start to realize like, oh, there's certain things that like. I'm the adult on this topic, or I know more about this than they do. Like they're, I have a more updated version of reality than they do. Yeah. Because I think one of the coolest things about it is that they are people that have passed that have questions. They want to know how they died. Like we'll get to the diner scene, of course, but they want to know everything about him. So they're asking questions to him, but they're also having these like, really difficult conversations like about him being an adult gay man and what that looks like. And they're kind of stuck in the eighties. So they only know what they know. Like you said, he's the one that's kind of leading them through, but like, it's this beautiful gift to be able to talk to your parents like that. And to sort of, I mean, at least in these uh, circumstances, because they passed without him getting to say goodbye. So it's, I don't know. It's like, I, I think you know, there's logistics about this. I think there are more logistics with Harry. Like there are more questions that I have about him. I'm like, how were they able to go to that club? You know what I mean? Like, like, how does that work when, you know, and I also think that there was something I was going to say about, um, 
Oh, dang. Too many thoughts going through my head. Oh, my whole theory for the entire movie, I know I'm jumping around here too, but was that everything that happened in the movie was him writing the screenplay. Like the screenplay was the movie that we are seeing. And I know that could be kind of like a cheap trope, but like I half expected like him to like finish printing it out like after the diner scene and like it said all of us strangers or something right, on it you know right. what i mean i thought that's what we were seeing but it wasn't and i'm in a way i'm glad it wasn't yeah i i think that that you know if it ended up that like even even if it ended up with a happy ending that i think that would have been less original it ended up just being a script that would have been less original or you know parts of this were a dream or whatever like i think that what i did appreciate was that even though the way everything panned out wasn't necessarily feel good it did feel original it did feel like a fresh take on all of this um in a way that if it was just like an adam and harry ended up happily ever after i think that may have felt like a, I don't know um i, I guess it didn't, like kind of like well it's 2023 we're having happy endings in gay movies now you know like i think it's fair to be like no, yeah you know <clears throat> um you can still have a tragic gay story um I, I do want to go back to so the Adam kind of being reintroduced into the past and seeing his father and the initial interaction feeling kind of sexually charged or a potential, you know, like, oh, who's this guy? Who's this guy with the mustache? Um, it, it feels like a through line because there is just like a weird sexual energy about dad in this movie. And I yes, and I don't think I'm reading into it. No, I think it's something Andrew Haig mentioned very briefly. I don't think he really wanted to go too far into it, but I think like the most obvious things that I saw was just him sort of this like cruising moment in the bushes and how he follows him home. And even the way that like, I don't know, the way that dad kisses him on the mm -hmm. lips, there's something that was, yeah, doesn't, he doesn't go too far into it, but you're, you're totally on the right path there. Yeah, yes, I agree. There's like, there's a, there's like just a couple different moments where it's like, oh, this is, there's just a weird tension. There's just a weird, you know, the, I don't know, uh, a, a weird flirty energy. And like, not for nothing, but like Harry obviously looks a lot like his father. You know, he also has a mustache. Yeah. Like there is also that too of like, well, you know, if, if to whatever extent the reality of this movie is all subjective to Adam, Right. That like whether it's the script that he's mm -hmm. writing or the way that he's seeing reality or, you know, whatever, it's just there's a sort of magical realism to it. I feel like it makes perfect sense that like he may not even fully understand it, but like part of why he's attracted to Harry is something that reminds him of his own father. Sure. Yeah, I think all of that is true. I I almost went to like a different part, too. It's like, do we want to talk about just these actors individually I, i'm not sure how to go about it like as far as even the plot and kind of just pick and choose i feel like my thoughts are very scattered so i need you to rein me in oh, okay <laughs> are you just you got the zips yeah i do I right the zips. all right I'm very scoopy very over here. scoopy yes. very scoopy i'm very excited um yes. well you know i i would love to i'd love to actually start with paul mescal because i Yes. Oh, I'm okay, so good. Because obviously everyone is great in this movie, and we're going to talk about Claire. We, you know, we love Claire. Um, mm -hmm. But there is something about Paul Mescal in this movie. There's something about Harry that 
is very much like to me Claire Foy is great as as mum but I think Harry's the BSA interesting I do I don't I don't think of him as the lead character I certainly I don't think of yeah him as, for as sure the lead but I feel no. like he is he's the one I'm left thinking about he's the one where I I Every time he was on screen, I was like locked in and I wanted more of him. And I thought the proportions and the, all of that, that quote that we love, yeah. maximizing possibilities and, you know, uh, adequate proportions or whatever. I just feel like the way that he functioned in this movie, the way that he was, he's kind of enigmatic and to the point where it's like, oh, this guy must be a ghost. This must just be another ghost that Adam's seeing because like we don't see him interact with anybody else. He's always wearing white, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I, I think to your, your point about like, Oh, well, how, what about the scene where they go to the club? I wonder if you watch closely, it's similar to when Adam goes to the diner and he thinks he's a table for three, but it's really just been him alone the whole time. Like, I wonder if, yeah. you know, is Adam imagining that he's at the club, um, you know, making out with Harry, but you know, he's really just like doing ketamine in a, in a stall or making out with a stranger or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. But I, so it's like, there's such a mystery around Harry. And I kind of like that. Ultimately he's not a ghost. He doesn't save Adam. He certainly tries to comfort him. And, and there's like a, Oh, this is getting codependent real fast. Uh, but yeah. in the end it's like, Oh God, he's, he's just another damaged soul that like we, even as the audience, like when he says, how come no one found me? I kind of feel like we are set up in the movie to not have been paying attention to him either. Like I felt responsible for what happened to Harry. Yes. Oh, that's such a beautiful way to put it. And when you go back and watch it, which I think you should Mm -hmm. not immediately, but like I, it's worth another watch, especially because of this twist. Like, He's such a sweetie. You just want to scoop him up, that little pink sweatshirt he has Mm -hmm. on, and you just don't realize, especially that first scene when he comes up, just how vulnerable he's being by even showing up on that, that, like his stoop, like, and how much he needs help, but you don't know. And that he's just able to. I think what Andrew Haig said in that interview was like, the reason why I'm going to, as the great Sidney Ellen Wade, once said i'm gonna fumble with this i feel like the the happy ending like along the lines of what you were saying too like it could it it would have been fine but it wouldn't have been the movie would have been different for so many reasons too but i think what adam needed to learn in that moment that love is not all about uh like you know, being single, being alone, you just, you crave love. You want someone to love you. But in that moment, especially like in the diner scene, when Claire Foy says, I think that boy needs some help Mm -hmm. or, you know, he might need some taking care of and that he's able to, I guess, be in the state to actually help him and to give love um, back to Harry, even though it was too late. And that's what makes it even more devastating too, that he was able to provide that for him and I think that healed him even more. Like you said, like Harry didn't save Adam. I think Adam kind of saved Harry a little bit in the end, but it doesn't really like that sentence doesn't even make sense because he was already he was dead the whole time, folks. But hopefully that makes sense. I don't know. Well, I feel like by the end, like what we see Adam do is we see him giving his 
certainly his mother, but really both of them giving them like peace of mind. Like they're asking like, was it quick? You know, like how did we die? And like, uh, and I feel like Adam is able to have the, be with his mother in those final moments in the way that he wasn't able to in the past. And so that regret that he had about not being able to like be with her while she was, you know, suddenly awake before she died and couldn't see and was scared. He got to then be with her, so to speak in that moment and help them both pass. And, you know, and like, and again, kind of like Beetlejuice, it's like, okay, you know, now you, you know, you guys are not stuck in the in-between anymore. And so I think what we see is then him doing that for Harry and, it's it's so like wasn't this like a Jennifer Love Hewitt show, The Ghost Whisperer or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just wears a leather jacket oh, the, the whole time. time. Like, yeah, yeah, and it just has bangs. Statement necklace. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, yeah, she spoke to me, you know. And I just I I so it's this weird thing that like Adam, like is able to do that for his parents, and then in a weird way, in a weird way, like there's a thrill that he gets to do it then for Harry. And I guess if I were to really read into this, like if we really want to talk about fucked up gay relationships, like, yes, of course, a really fucked up traumatized gay man would most want to be in a relationship with a ghost that he can save. Like the idea (laughs) that you're so afraid of commitment or you are so afraid of other people, or you have such a hard time connecting for whatever reason that your ideal man is a ghost. (laughs) I mean, yes, who, who, a Paul Mescal, a Paul ghost, Mescal yes. ghost who's living in a purgatory and your job is to comfort him until he leaves you. I mean, yeah. just the way your father did, you know, and your mother. I mean, yeah, it's it's so fucked up, but I cannot sit here and say I don't get it. I can't sit here and say that this is another one of those Amazon Prime movies where I'm like, this doesn't speak to me. I yeah, You know, I am sitting here. I am 39. I live in a building where there's really only one person below me. Uh, and, you know, and I'm frightened. <laughs> I'm frightened. <laughs> oh, that was good. And I'm frightened, Lizzie. <laughs> so, you know, I get it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think moving away from, I guess, the movie a bit, but also just like still staying in that arena is like that Paul and Andrew have such great chemistry. I mean, I think Paul Meskel's only 28 and Andrew Scott's 47. And I mean, you've seen them on the press tour. These two are just magic together. And I really do think that that helps. I love watching a good press tour because you can totally tell when there's a press tour that doesn't work now. I think that's like one of the perks of social media and like, of course, TikTok. And I think really can help out. I mean, press tours always help out movies, but I think this one specifically helped out a lot because both of these men, you know, Paul Meskel, I don't know all of his like, you know, filmography, but I know there was After Sun. And of course, we all love and know Andrew Scott from Fleabag and other movies and and TV as well, too. So I just think that it's such perfect timing for both of them to make this movie. And I'm so glad that they did, if that makes sense. Uh, I wait, was was Paul Mescal in The Lost Daughter? My Lost Daughter? That's what his. uh... What? 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 Oh my! I guess he gonna have to watch that again. I guess he was. I guess I was just standing there holding cake and not eating it. Um, 
Yeah, he was a sixth build Will. That's so crazy. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, you know, I have to say, between Paul and Andrew and Beatrice and Rosemary, this is the year of Irish duos that we love, you know? <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Because, of course, you know, we talk about more on the after show on Patreon, but we are big fans of the podcast, Not Without My Sister. We're desperate for it. Oh, we love it. Yeah. Them. And so desperate. I really think, you know, I was thinking about this, how, you know, how last year was really like the year of the men. And certainly, Paul yeah. and Andrew, you know, you're continuing the tradition. But, you know, it, 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 is this the year of the Irish? Are we going to just like really... Are we going to really go for it? Are we going to Aaron go bra, you know? Yeah, I feel like our closest movie last year or the year before, I can't even remember, is um, The Banshees of Inishirin. We loved that. We had The Banshees of Inishirin. We lo- we loved Belfast. Yeah. That movie was beautiful. We did love Belfast, um, too. Yeah, I think we need to uh, we need to dig in. Yeah, I think we need to, like, what? We need to get really Irish. What's that movie? Circle of Friends with with Mini Driver. Is that Irish? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think I've heard I of it. I better look it up. But I mean, what perfect timing. It's going to be March soon. Maybe it's a month of Irish movies, oh, Irish dramas, Irish comedies. Maybe. Oh, my God. Yeah. We could finally do Waking Ned Divine. Yes. <laughs> I know you love that movie. Do you remember Waking Ned Divine? I do I don't. I don't. Really? Wow. So that, I mean, not to be like, what? But I'm, no, it's okay. I may have seen it, but it's just one of those movies where like the commercial for it was always on. And it was always like this naked little old man on a motorcycle. And I'm just like, I just, it's such a ubiquitous <laughs> part of my childhood that I just thought like, oh, at some point you must have seen the commercial for Waking Ned Divine. I'm looking at the poster right now. I, t- oh my goodness, this does not look familiar but i send me that uh send me that commercial i'll i'll, I'll give it i will you're gonna love it Ooh. yeah oh we should do brooklyn with sarsha ronan <gasps> oh. and uh what's his face sarsha ronan's gonna be in a movie with paul mescal called foe and i just saw the trailer for it and it looks good i'm excited for those two together that's like the pairing that i didn't think i needed but i'm so glad it's happening oh i mean uh consider me a friend yeah i uh i don't know anything about foe. yeah <laughs> uh let me click on foe let me tr- let me click on foe oh. it's something about like maybe like the end of the like there's a space station and they both apply to get I've got a, I've got an eye on it I've or got something an and they live in like the wild west. Yeah. I, yeah. I got a description for you. Hen and junior farm a secluded okay. piece of land that has been in junior's family for generations, but their quiet life is thrown into turmoil when an uninvited stranger shows up at the door with a startling proposal that I guess involves going to space. I don't know. It doesn't tell me. Yeah. All right. And I feel like only one of them are called up. Mm. And as opposed to both of them. So they have to make this decision. Like, is one of them going to go? One of them's going to stay? And one of them, you know, I, I don't know. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, um, this is, oh. this is like such a tangent that we don't have to get into it, but I, if we just put a pin in what's that new movie with, I think it's Anne Hathaway and Jessica Chastain, Mother's Instinct. <gasps> oh my God. Have you God. watched the trailer? I mean, oh my God. I have. Oh my I God. Oh my god. It looks so good. Oh my god. I'm like sometimes sometimes things are made and I'm just like oh, for us. For us. For this us. was for us. You made this. 
this is just a little little love ice they cream know. cake for us. So I just yeah. I don't I don't care I don't care about nothing. We are definitely doing an episode on that movie because oh for sure coming out this mother's day. absolutely yeah because <laughs> um, you know maybe we just need to have a female rage month you know oh my gosh her new her yes. favorite thing I love that yeah. um, I I do love it so anyway yeah Paul is I really think this is my much like Liza Minnelli this is my Paul Mescal uh, awakening yeah and I realized I assigned you that chicken shop date thing and we never talked about it but you know we'll when the after show will eventually happen yeah. and we'll talk but I mean just when you think you can't fall in love with either of them really any more than you can you do and I just feel like they're really good really good lads you know what well, you know I forgot to watch the chicken shop thing but actually it works out really well That's because okay. now that I now that Paul and I are on first name basis I think that my Paul I think that now that my Paul is in my life I think now is a good time for me to watch Meat Chicken Ugh, I'm so excited. Oh I, going back to just like Harry, I just feel like he also is, it, it would be very, I guess like, I'm glad he's a mess, but I'm glad he's not a, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like, I'm glad he's mature, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, because it, it feels like when Adam's talking about his parents, uh, you know, it was a car crash and it's it's the, that classic line of like, it was a long time ago. And Harry just says, well, I don't think that matters. And the way he says that is so just beautifully said, like, it's it, it's not just some like cheap sentiment of just like, well, you know, it's okay. I don't think it matters. Like it, it, he cares for him immediately. And how that line later on in the movie too, where he says, um, he's like, I know how easy it can be to stop caring about yourself. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Well, you know, because <laughs> that to me felt like, oh, wow, we're really like hinting at like Harry's yes, real story yes, yes. and like Harry's own kind of struggles. And, and And let's be fair, like one of Harry's first lines is like, there's vampires at my door. Like he's been telling us from his first scene mm-hmm. that like things are not good. And so, yes. I, you know, but it's like he's he's good looking and he's charming and he's, you know, and he's very direct and he he takes a certain initiative, but in a gentle way with Adam. And so, like, I think there's yeah. also that, too, that, like, you can be damaged and you can also be very charming and you can also be, like, really good at courting someone. And, like, you, you're not just, like, the bird with the broken wing who has to be cuddled. Like, you can be super fucked up and actually being super fucked up can make you really good at being really charming and winning over other people, you know? Yes, or at least understanding how to navigate you don't uh, heavy conversations, mm-hmm. you know, in this case. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so I feel like that's what's, what I really love about Harry is, like, yeah, he's got shit, but, like, he's not, you know, he's not Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver. Like, he's not just this, like, degenerate, you know, drug addict. It's not like, oh, you know, yeah. Adam walks in on him, like, doing meth. It's like, okay, so they did a little bit of K at a club. Like, big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's also that, too, of, like, there aren't the extremes of, like, this isn't an episode of queer as folk, you know, and I feel like no, where no. It, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, uh, what's his name, Brian and um, Brian Kinney, and what's his name? Who's the guy that everybody's in love with? Uh, I think I can picture him, but I never watched Queer as Folk, isn't that? Not, I mean, again, no one's surprised. Really? I just, I think I watched one episode, and I didn't have any 
further access to it and I just didn't seek it out. Wow. I really, you know, I know. I, the, we talked, you know, we, we talked about like, you know, gay stuff. Oh, Brian Kinney is, is, is the queen bitch. And then Justin Taylor is the poor little twink. Um, but because there's like the original British version of Queer as Folk, which I haven't seen, so I can't speak to. I'm sure it's great. And then there is the Canadian, uh, well, set in per- Pittsburgh. I'm sure we've talked about this. It's set in Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but filmed in Toronto. Uh, then there's that version of Queer as Folk. And it is certainly of a time... And I remember watching it when it first came out. And and I mean, this is such a root for like me watching queer content that made me feel like, oh, I don't fit into this at all um, because I'm like a, mm-hmm. you know, awkward 13 year old in New Jersey. Um, yeah. But uh, I but I did rewatch or watch the whole thing again as an adult, like uh, a few years ago. And. I don't know. I think you should watch it. And I know, like, put it on the list. But I would be so curious to get your take on Queer as Folk. I'd be, I just, it'd be interesting. It'd be an interesting show to do an episode on, like, an episode of Queer as Folk. I think it would be great. I think it'd be a lot of fun, to be honest. So I need a show. I need a show. Even though I have 10,000 shows on my list, none of them are speaking to me, and I don't know why. But th- maybe that's it. Maybe because I one. I think when I started watching it, then I just got sucked in, and I just was like, "Well, going on this ride, it's easy." So I don't know. And yeah. it's the early two thousands, and I got to tell you, I have so many feelings about the early two thousands. I don't think that like I know what that is as an era yet. We talk about the nineties and the eighties and seventies. I don't know what the early two thousands was, but like, I'm I'm ready to explore it. You know. Yeah, it feels like uncharted territory, even though we lived through it. it was, it's the high school years, yeah. really, right? It's like just on the cusp of college. Yeah, yeah, because I graduated high school in 2003. And so, like, mm-hmm. it is like all of my my really formative gay years are all like, you know, 99, like late 90s into the 2000s. That's what made yeah. me what I am today, for better or for worse. You know, so So many good movies. The Hours, Chicago, so much good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, The Hours. Like, that is, like, I don't think we'd even have this podcast if I never saw The Hours. (laughs) That's true. I know. I'd probably be, you know, I'd I'd be a mechanic. (laughs) I don't know. I just, yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) Talk about being strangers. So, uh, yeah. Well, speaking of, of, strangers that, that we should be talking about i think it's about time if sivu play we pivot to a lady that we've chatted about before in women talking which is a very special movie yeah and she's one of those like chameleon actresses where i'm like oh i keep forgetting oh oh yeah you like i just if someone told me what's mm-hmm. pick claire foy out of a out of a lineup i'd be like i i don't know what that one and they'd be like no that's jesse buckley but indeed uh claire foy is in this movie as adam's mother mom and i mean she is not what i love about her is she's she's lovely she's absolutely lovely but it's she's not portrayed in the same way as say olivia coleman in heartstopper yeah. Like, I think there's like a kitchen scene in this movie and a kitchen scene in that show, and they go very differently. 
Yes, I I have a little bit of insight on this too, and it's I don't know how much truth there is to this, but Andrew Haig was talking about you know I'm sure we'll talk about Jamie Bell in a second too, but how the dad was actually more supportive and initially understanding and accepting of Adam than his mom was. Um, and I, he says that that's kind of true to the UK. I don't know how, tr- I don't know the statistics, but in general too, it's sometimes it is the dad that comes around a little sooner. And maybe it's because like the UK has such a, you know, an affinity for like matriarchal sort of uh, dynamics in a family, mm. I guess that that's what he his words, not mine. Um, but I kind of love that because I think going into this scene too, that the, the first kitchen scene when Adam goes to visit, she just says, it's just me today. Is that all right? And like the relief and excitement that I felt in that moment, I was like, oh God, a day with mom. Yeah. What a lucky boy. And then the fact that that's, that it doesn't end up the way that we expect, I thought was, you know, you get the rug pulled out beneath you and, but it's also great uh, conflict at the same time. I thought it was perfect. I didn't love it, but I thought it was great. I mean, I think it's, you know, going back to sort of just like the genre of gay movies, there's so many, you know, particularly like son coming out to his mother scenes in so many movies. Yep. And it's and I never tire of it, you know, of course, like I'm never going to get tired of it uh, because I think that there's always like a nuance to how it's done. Uh, there's a there's a gay movie from, I think, the late 80s called The Edge of 17. And that's one worth seeing just to have in your catalog but it's got a great mom sitting at the piano scene towards the end you know like oh mom, i love you that. know it's like mom trying to deal with her feelings but uh but anyway so i think of that when i think of you know coming out to the mom i think about i mean i'm sure you've maybe you've seen i think it's been posted on tiktok but i think it's an old video from even like youtube like i think some kid like sets up a camera and he's like in this kitchen with his mom and he like comes out to her and she's super supportive and really great about it she's like i know honey i i knew i understand it's okay and like yeah it's such a like it's such a thing and of course like i have a the memory of coming out to my parents, to my mom and my stepdad, like burned into my brain. So like this, of course, this scene, yeah. this setup, like I'll, I'll ride my bike around this block all day. No problem. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think the, the, it's, it's all in the nuances. And so while there's like, you know, to, uh, to compare to say the Heartstopper scene where Olivia Coleman is just like, you know, the loveliest little goose in the village, because that's yeah. just what she is you know, we crave that and we crave like that kind of acceptance. And then in this scene, it's not like his mother, like, you know, it pulls a Beatrice straight. Well, get out, go elsewhere, go wherever you want. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't like, she, yes, yes. You know, uh, she doesn't do that either. It's in that weird in between of like, Oh, okay. Well, um, you know that, that's something you know aren't people mean to you you know like it just it starts to become kind of like you've made this decision that she's like it's you know i don't know like it, it all she she goes to all the things that she's concerned about or all the fears that she has surrounding him being gay and so it's like it doesn't come it's not a lack of compassion that she's showing but it's sort of like a misdirected compassion you know yeah, I think one of my favorite parts of that scene is when, you know, she kind of 
hits a or strikes a nerve, I guess, with Adam when she says, they say it's a lonely kind of life, which I, I feel my parents told me that too. Mm. Um, and But she grabs his hand as she's saying it. And then he immediately kind of takes his hand away. He's like, well, if I'm lonely, it's not because I'm gay. But then he says, not really, which I also love because he is lonely. But she does he doesn't want to like give her the satisfaction, which I just love. Yeah, well, right. I mean, like there is certainly that of like, I feel like, I mean, yeah, my parents, there was, you know, just, oh, it's a harder road. And it's like, yeah, you know, what do you want me to do? You know what I mean? Like, uh, just put on your mm-hmm, kids mm-hmm. and get walking, honey. But I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, but I think that's probably also part of it. Like, oh, it's just, you know, people are not as accepting and maybe harder to find love, whatever. And, you know, it, it's like, okay, well, I'm not like. I did get bullied a bit in school, but that was, you know, by the time I came out to them, it was like, well, you know, too late, baby, like the worst of it's over. But, you know, as I'm, you know, 39 and I've got this cat and I'm frightened, it's like, well, maybe, maybe there's some truth to what you were saying, but honestly there isn't. Cause that's all just like surface level on paper. Like if I, if I wanted, I could have settled down and had the whole life. You know what I mean? I could have done all of that. And I feel like we see this with Adam and his mother that like, their realities are totally different. Like the idea for me right now of like, you know, Ooh, I got to find somebody and like, you know, get married and do all that. Like that doesn't appeal to me. Like that doesn't, that doesn't excite me. Like I don't, I don't feel any of that kind of like, you know, because that's just not part of my reality. (laughs) My reality is different, you know? And so, um, and I, and so we kind of see that with Adam and his mother where she's like, Oh, well, you know, it can be really lonely and there's this awful disease and all that. And he's like, none of that, None of that reality is true in my reality. Yeah. And just the way that scene is like almost punctuated where she dumps her tea out all of a sudden and she's oh. like, well, you can have those flapjacks, you know, it's, she's kind of done and it's so sad, so sad. And it's just, you wanted so much more from that. Yeah. The way she dumps that tea, it's just mm-hmm. like, Jesus you know. Christ. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, and, but I love that ultimately in the way in which they try to like show her coming around like on Christmas and, and her singing that song, mm-hmm. like just yeah. the glances she was giving him. It's like, I thought that was really, because it's like, you know, when I think about my parents, like they ultimately, I mean, you know, were, you know, have been, have been great, but I, at first it was a bit for them to adjust to. I think, you know, my mom, it's like, I think she's like, Yeah. I know I've known like sure uh, I'm aware of the situation like this is this I can't sit here and be shocked I have been handed buckets of buckets of evidence buckets um, of clues yeah just bucket yeah you know just buckets of roses and so like your obsession with the hours in high school come on and yeah. so uh but I, my stepdad I mean he like I remember him being like well how how do you know for sure like how like have you like basically being like, well, if you haven't like been with a woman, how do you, how do you know you don't want to be with a woman? And I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, yeah. I can't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be having, and I, I remember saying this to them. I wouldn't be telling you this right, right now if I wasn't this sure. But yes. I think, you know, for him, it was like, he just couldn't wrap his brain around it at the time. And like now, you know, it, it's, it's much different. And so I feel like that's also very true that like, your parents may not be like, you know, Sharon Glass and Queer as Folk, for example, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have to be, you know, Piper Laurie and Carrie either. Yes. 
Yeah, I think it's like I I want to I want to pivot over to Jamie Bell as dad for a second too because these conversations are kind of just you know the opposite of this too. It's like he has that great opening line because he so he goes back to visit and the mom is away and you immediately get this like sort of like I was like on the defense. I'll speak. I was like, be careful, Adam. He knows mm-hmm. and just like that awkwardness, but he kind of breaks the ice by saying like, you know, she'll soon realize it's not actually about her. Uh, and it, it yeah. was hardly a shock. And I always knew you were a bit tutti frutti and they joke about him not being able to catch a baseball. It's like, these are the things that you should be saying too. And it's, again, it's like the relief that I initially felt with Claire Foy, I'm feeling right now with dad and it feels so much more safer. I don't know uh, wh- why that is, I guess, because it, it, dads are hard, you know, dads are yeah. super hard. Yeah, and I think if you can get to the point where you can joke about it, because I think that for me with my parents, that's when I think we all just relaxed was when we could joke yes. about it, which came very quickly. But it was like we all kind of held our breath until someone made a joke. And then it was like, it's fine. We could joke about this. And I mm-hmm. think that's, um, you know, and I don't know that there's something sort of, you know, not not to, you know, not to be the store Bridget's in the mall, but like there's something very Irish about that of just kind of like, oh, you can joke about it. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like a, a very like Irish way to process things. Yeah. Even um, along those lines of humor, well, like when Claire Foy, she was like, look at you. And she she kind of wells up a little bit. She's like, you were just a boy. And it kind of is like hitting her of like, this is I can't believe that we're not here for this. But then she's like, well you're not as hairy as I thought you'd be, you know, and it's such a right. throwaway line. That's really kind of funny and just kind of changes the shifts, the mood a little bit too, but um, yeah, it tempers it. Yeah. Yeah. But this oh. scene was so lovely with the dad. I mean, I, you know, for me, it's like, there's so much in here that like, I feel like I really can't think of one thing, I guess that my dad ever said to me, like I'm, I'm to kind of complete this thought. Like he, the dad told Adam to net, like, don't cross your legs like a woman. And I feel mm. like that's just like a standard sort of thing that a dad would tell his young gay kid because he doesn't want. And that's so much more about the dad than it is about Adam, you know, because he just doesn't want everyone to think that his son is gay or like to be embarrassed about that too. Where Adam probably just didn't even know any better. He's like, I'm just gonna cross my leg, but he still thinks about it every time he crosses his legs. Right, right. That you then carry that for the rest of your life. Yes. And it's like, and you just like, it becomes imprinted. And yeah, and, and I think there's, you know, I mean, I think as you get older, those little kind of nuances about our parents when they're not, you know, the, the sort of like hallmarks of PFLAG. I mean, I, <laughs> you forgive it because it's like, as I get older, I recognize the ways in which like, I know what I know. And there's things I don't understand, you know, yeah. and there's things, you know, kids in high school talk about. I'm like, I don't not just like slang, but like just their approach to things or even some people in their approach to gender identity and whatnot. I can't sit here and say I totally always get it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that that their experience that they can't have that experience. But I can kind of apply that and say that, like, perhaps some of what I was bringing to my parents felt the same way of like we didn't we didn't really know gay people and like what we knew was like Ellen on TV when she came out as gay on her sitcom. And so like, I, I can just recognize that even in just in general that like, I don't know that, that thing with your parents where as you get older, especially I think, you know, we really do see this in this movie and the way that he sees his parents as like almost contemporaries. Like they're basically the same age he, he is yeah. um, when he's visiting them. And so like, you just, 
I think there's a certain forgiveness that comes with that because you stop looking up to them with those expectations and you just kind of see them at like, how could I expect any different? You know, you did what you did. You knew what you knew, you know? Yeah, everyone's a flawed human being. Like imagine us right now as parents, like trying to be parents and just like really trying not to fuck it up, you know? I mean, I think that way towards Lucy and she's a dog, you know? I'm like, am I doing everything I should be doing towards like for her and like... I'm such an awful dad and I should be better or spending more time with like, it's the same. It's not the same thing, but it, you know, it is the same thing in many ways too. She's my baby. So it's, yeah, like, no, I guess, you know, you think your parents are perfect. So you think like they have it all together because they're adults. And then you realize that they're not. And this is just like such an elevated version of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think then pairing it with like, and the situations where you're realizing that, like, I think, for for a lot of us, you know, with, when our parents are still alive, it's like we can come to these realizations and then we can kind of move into a new stage of our relationship with our parents. And I feel like what's so sad about this movie is that like these are these limited visits that he has with them. And I, you know, that that one part when he like comes back from the trip you mentioned earlier and he was like feeling sick and he was feeling hot there was a way in which i was interpreting that like these visits with his parents are like making him sick or like they're they're wearing him down it's it's as if they're like it's taking away your life's blood or your life power like there's something about these trips that like he he physically can't keep doing that almost seemed like there was like that running theme in there that like this is living in the past like this is going to kill you. Yes. And especially after that visit with his mom, too. It's just like that's mm-hmm. the one that really took it out of him where I I can't remember the scene after the dad scene, but I feel like that was maybe a better. I don't know if that's where they went to the club or he was like sort of celebratory in that moment. But yeah, of course, like the like the. The, the peak of that scene with the dad is just like how he says, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't come into your room when you were crying when I heard you. And it's just like this beautiful moment of like, can mm. I hug you now? And like the, the idea that even as an adult, Adam is still trying to make good or apologize to, you know, like, it's okay. It was a long time ago. Like, you, you know, you know, like it's trying to, I think it's such a theme with like queer kids too. It's like, you're trying to make everything better all the time. So no one is uncomfortable or queer people Mm -hmm. in general too. So, but he has every right to just be like, yeah, that was fucked up. But like, it's still a beautiful moment regardless too. And then them looking in the mirror and he's his younger self. I was just like, oh my gosh, too much. In the best way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Ugh, you know, because it's like, otherwise that scene, I was like, man, this Adam and his dad have a lot of chemistry. I don't know what to do about this scene. I don't know about this hot afternoon with dad situation. What am I, am I watching Hulu? Am I watching Pornhub? Like what am I putting on? (laughs) I loved his sweater in that scene. It was like a blue sweater. It was so 80s. Mm -hmm. He looked great. Yeah. Yeah. He looked hot. Ugh, you know, yeah. So, uh, and of course, all of that, I mean, I guess, you know, brings us to uh, this this unfortunate ending where Adam has one final day with his parents where they've said, you know, you just you can't keep coming back here like this. You're never going to move forward. And so they, you know, they they all go to the mall and they all go to whatever diner they used to go to and order the big family special. And, you know, and that's where Adam kind of helps release them. And uh and then of course he's alone at the table with all that food and and then he gets back to the building and he goes to Harry's apartment 
and and Harry's apartment, you know, is trashed and he's dead in his bedroom. It looks like maybe he drowned in his own vomit or, you know, drank himself to death or whatever or overdosed, but uh Harry's dead. And then it's like, "Oh, shit." Uh but then <clears throat> thank God Harry's ghost comes out of the bedroom and, you know, and and I thought this is where really I thought because Paul Mescal's character is so low key the whole movie. And when he was like, how come no one found me? You know, mm-hmm. like my mom or my dad, how come no one found me? And I thought, oh, that is, if you're, if you're many things, but one of the things, if you're a single gay man, oh, <laughs> that rings yeah, a bell. Of course. <laughs> I was looking at Marco like the responsibility on your little shoulders. <laughs> yeah, get him a life alert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and and I think that, and that's where then Adam, you know, transfers his codependence to a new ghost. <laughs> yeah. Oh, which just in uh, a really beautiful way, I think. Like, just you know. It, just reassuring him he's like i'm here I, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because i'm here and he sort of comforts him and they he just says let's just go upstairs um yeah and then they sort of he kind of they snuggle almost in the position of like how he passes away too like the the final pose of harry is the same pose that he was in when adam found him in the bed which i thought was yeah. really beautiful um yeah and it, yeah go ahead. it's very reminiscent of that episode of the last of us yes oh my god yeah 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 um and yeah i mean it it just like i i guess when you really think about it it's like adam i mean to that point of like there's really nobody else in this movie he's now he's the only person in this building we don't really see him with any other friends you know the, the people he visited the most were his dead parents he doesn't have a job where he's like going interacting with people. And so in many ways, it's like, this is kind of the perfect relationship for Adam for where he is, is, you know, in this kind of like purgatory, because that's the, what he's living in. Yeah. And so it kind of makes perfect sense that he would find love there. Yeah. It's like, do you, I guess we kind of already answered the question too, is like, could this movie existed? Cause there was so much of it after the initial viewing and Keanu and I were talking on the way home. We're like, I don't think we even needed Paul Meskel in this movie. Like we didn't need him to like find himself or like, but you do at the same time, like, cause we were so invested in the parents, like the diner scene just like wrecked both of us. And then to go from that to like even more despair was just like, Oh my God, I can't take this. But I, I feel like we already kind of discussed it too, that like it, it kind of had to be this way because, or even if you took Paul out of the movie, it, it wouldn't have been the same movie. It would have been still kind of good. It would have been like a one act play as opposed to like a full play if it was just about yeah. the parents. I feel like it would just be about this guy letting go of his dead parents. It would just be about this, yeah. and, you know, and, and that experience of this adult letting go of his parents. And I thought the idea of pairing your childhood trauma, like so, so openly pairing the childhood trauma and the inability to let go of that with an attempt at finding love again. And like, then, and that that person is bringing their own baggage to the situation. I just, I, I think that there is, I think that the movie itself again has some kind of like magical realism to it, but the themes of it and the concepts of like this kind of gay courtship and this kind of like, 
you know, trauma bonding or whatever you want to call it, I think is so real. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad it wasn't done hyper realistically. Like, I also think that that would have been too much to have them have conversations like, you know, Adam, you, you carry around so much baggage. You know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. I, I think it, it told a very raw story in a very kind of beautiful way. Yeah, there it would have been so tempting to do that too, like to 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 tell more than show, but this show's way more than telling and I think it's it's just there's a beautiful balance there. And even in that interview with uh Andrew Haig too, like how they talked about this the diner scene and how difficult that was to write and he was like, "Well, it wasn't really hard." I mean, he said, "Yeah, I was sure it was hard to write, but it was kind of easy to write on paper." It was just like, "How do we how do we make this transition too? like, and I thought that was also really clever of like how they, they're not like fizzling off and going off mm -hmm. into the light. You just pan over and, and it's the order of which they pass too. And like, you get that information a little bit, maybe like a half hour before when um, Adam's talking to Harry about how, you know, that night and how they pass and how like she lost an eye and there's that beautiful monologue too. But I guess we really didn't talk about Andrew uh, Andrew Scott a lot, but I, I think it's just it's it's sort of implied that like I mean he it's such a beautiful performance, and I'm very very surprised that he did not get nominated for a BAFTA for this. They had like six BAFTA nominations, but he was not one of them. And I just wow, I don't know if it was just because of the year, unless I read those nominations incorrectly. Because my other like. Uh, question on top of that too is why was this not I know that he was kind of like that sixth slot for best lead actor but the movie didn't get a lot of love either too and I just feel like maybe it was timing maybe it's just because these guys are obviously stars but like I, maybe next year it would have been really great I don't know I just asked like six questions but I don't know all I you know yeah the Oscar, you know, the, the Oscars this year, you know, I, I feel like maybe I'll, I'm going to come. I don't know if folks, you know, this, I'm coming to Pittsburgh. I'm watching the Oscars yeah. in Pittsburgh. We're going to be together, but you know, <clears throat> if we are just not, in, <clears throat> oh, I'm getting all choked up. <clears throat> I can barely speak. If, if we're just not invested in this, we're going to turn it off and we're going to just watch YouTube videos. So don't tempt us. Yeah, you never know what can happen. It could be an Anthony Hopkins year. It could be like a uh, what was it? An Olivia Coleman win. Something can mm -hmm. really, you know. I would love for a twist. I would love a twist. But who knows? That would yeah, be, you're right. Yeah, that would redeem things. But at least he yeah. was the only one to get a Golden Globe nomination. Oh, so, right. there we go. You know, we'll give him that. But uh, yeah, uh, but certainly, yeah, no Baftas, no Baftas. Uh, uh, but you know. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, Andrew Scott is phenomenal. This, you know, I was thinking, and this is, you know, a, a whole other tangent, but there's, I feel like there's, there's a certain type of gay man that I'll call a Michael. And I yeah. guess I think of like Michael from boys in the band, but I feel like there's also a lot of actual Michaels out there and, and, and it, your name might not actually be Michael. I am probably a Michael, so I am not casting aspersions. Sure. Um, but it's these, my, I, I could, I'm going to just, I'm going to plant it there. Cause I wonder without, cause maybe everyone has their own idea of what that means. But I think that Adam is very much a Michael. And I think there is the, 
the gay community is riddled with Michaels, riddled with Michaels. And you want to talk about being in a crowded place and feeling lonely. We are a community full of Michaels and none of them are talking to each other. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. You it's know? so true. Maybe they're looking for Harry's, you know, maybe that's the problem, you know? Yeah. Who was, um, you know, who else is a Michael? And I'm, I'm trying to, I just typed in the craziest thing to Google to try to remember this. But what was that movie? I think he has, this actor has three names, very handsome, like Silver Fox type. Um, he was a writer who went to like a different country and like fell in love with like this guy. Oh, John yeah. Benjamin Hickey. In yeah, Sub- yes. Mm-hmm. Very Michael uh, energy. He yeah. is a, he's a Michael. That's exactly yeah. it. He's a Michael. Yeah. Because um, there's older Michaels, there's younger Michaels. It's a thing. Um, New York yeah. is just like teeming. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. It's the land of the Michaels here, you know? <laughs> yes, I know. Um, yeah. Uh, so Michael's out there. I hear you. I see you. And uh, support group is coming. Yeah. And the support group would, is coming, except I have social anxiety and commitment issues. So it probably isn't. <laughs> um, let's be real. Um, well, uh, I, I I will say because I can see the orchestra over there raring up, and uh, and you have to get to orchestra practice um, to, yeah. or <laughs> opera rehearsal. Yes, um, but uh, I'm going to admit this on this podcast that cover of Always on My Mind by the Pet Shop Boys that is such a big part of this movie and was such a big part of the, of the ads for this movie. Mm-hmm. I do not like the song, and that I just I I think it is sung in a way that does not please my ear. Is that the one that they sang around the Christmas tree? Yeah. I I know that song. I, I guess I don't have any strong feelings about it, but it's one of those. Th- so, yeah, I'm trying to think of. So the cover, it was a cover, you said, or was it the original? It is. I believe it's a cover of the song. Okay. Always on my Oh, mind. I see. Um, by and Willie Nelson. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it's a cover of a Willie Nelson song. And so Willie oh. Nelson does it one way, and then they do it in this kind of like strange other way I, I shouldn't say strange but in a pet shop boys way and it just yeah. people love that song and i it's no murder murder on the dance floor i'll tell you that no much. i'll tell you that much <laughs> i'm not gonna take my gotchis off and dance around the house to always on my mind i'll tell you that yeah exactly i don't uh, know where i know that song from i feel like i've seen it in another movie or Probably. Maybe I just know it from like the culture, I guess. Like I don't know all the words, but I, I recognized it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's not always on your mind, but it's somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes. Yeah. yeah, sometimes on my mind. Yeah. yeah. Some of us strangers. <laughs> yes. But all of us BSAs. <laughs> yes. All of us BSAs, definitely the name of this episode. Yeah, for sure. What um, a beautiful film. I, I I really do think it's like one of my top three movies that I've seen this Oscar season at least the one that I keep thinking about. And again, watch it again, especially now that it's on Hulu in your own time. And I'd love to revisit it and chat about it sometime down the road. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this this was a real highlight. And it makes me kind of want to watch Weekend again because I remember watching yeah. that like in college. And, oh, boy, did that speak to me at a time. Um, yeah. Yep, yep, So, yep. yeah, I maybe I need to go on a, a Hague yeah, start looking from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I could start looking. I get really, you know, uh, uh, what's Hagen. a good pun for Hague? I could get a real. I got a a Hague, Hague hankering for Hague. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, know what I, it is. Yeah. Um. 
I'm going to have some birthday Hague. Um, <laughs> I love I'm still trying Hague. to think of it too. Andrew yeah. Hague. Yeah. Uh, and he, oh, oh, we're being played off. Oh, thank oh, God. Oh, Jesus is. Christ. Oh, thank God. I was so afraid that they were going <laughs> to let me keep going. Um, I would Hague that. Um, Ooh, so, there it is. There it is. Ah! Uh, where can <laughs> folks find more of you? They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kochanov. How about you? You know, don't call me Frazier, but I love a little tossed salad and scrambled haze. Um, Ooh, there it is. No, that was, don't you dare validate that. that I, was like I like that it. I like it. No, it's good. It's the um, best one we've got, so we got to go with it's it. It's all yeah. we've got. Yeah. Um... Not to be Hague. Um, oh, be Hague. Okay, Colin. <laughs> you've been cut off. They're going to play Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, uh, if, watch if you want, If you want more of me, and I doubt it at this point, you can find me on my other podcast, All Right, Mary, where we're talking about season 16 of RuPaul's Drag Race. You can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker's underscore, Colin Drucker underscore. Um, you can find more of both of us in a best supporting capacity on Instagram at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And all of us peepers are peeled because uh, the Best Sporting <laughs> After Show, not my best, but I didn't have much to work with. Uh, but the Best Sporting After Show is not coming right around the Riverbend because we got a busy week. And so yeah. you are going to get a break from the After Show, but you've got a metric butt ton of archives in the archives. You could go back and listen to all of our Smash recaps. Uh. I mean, there's... There is so much uh, on Patreon for you, and now is a great time to join us. $5 a month, you usually get an after show, you get early access to episodes just like this. And on Patreon, we put out a version of the episode where I don't make Andrew Haig uh, puns. So, worth What's it. not to love? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's like Hegela, like Fegela, Hegela, something's in there. I don't hey, know. Yeah, Hegela. Yeah, you'll you shut, it, shut it down, yeah, Hegela. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, anyway, uh, I oh, oh, sorry. I was just over here just thinking of Andrew Haig quotes uh, or puns. But we actually, you, you really need to get into a pre-owned lease toy at your cell named Ruth or Cheryl because you have opera practice uh, and I need to get the hell out of Stepford. So that's exactly what we're about to do. Sounds good. I'll get the keys. And I will get the Haig. Gindas ice cream. <laughs> there it is. Perfect. And that, as they say, is that. Oh,